The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. Dr. Zhivago, 
winner of six Academy Awards. The Might of War. The Majesty of Love. The monumental motion picture of our time. Dr. Zhivago. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema. I'm your host Jimbo, and today I'm joined by... Yeah, co-host, uh, not a... Uh not someone else, but it's Kyle. It's, it's someone else would be. I don't know. Like Kyle was trying Terry to be Strawback. I was thinking of a funny joke, but then it's like, no, it's not going to land. I was, so I was waiting for I you to go into your Russian voice, but Russian I was voice, like, yeah. this is not going to be fun. I, I eat potatoes. I don't know. Um, uh, today, this is episode one fifteen. We'll be talking about the epic film uh, Doctor Zhivago. Doctor Zhivago. Um, Kyle and I have been talking about this on Messenger and and, and things, and it's just a very, um, I don't want to say disturbing, uh, unsettling maybe I would say. Uh, it makes you think a lot. Uh, this movie is just, it's really uh, deep and, and impactful. Um, so I'm not going to give Kyle a question this week because even though we try to be lighthearted and fun on this podcast, sometimes a movie comes along where uh, it's just, really nothing to joke about and it's just very hard to do even though kyle will probably say something at some point oh yeah i'll always say something in a program sure but yeah no there is a bit of a <laughs> kind of a ceaseless and unrelenting harshness to the world uh, depicted in dr Zhivaga and uh you know based off you know real life historical events obviously and the struggles many people did have to face to some degree or another and um, try to we will try to handle that with tact, <laughs> right? I'm, I remember when I just I had started watching it, and like the first twenty minutes of the film, I told Kyle, I said, Kyle, I said, I've already seen a, a, a death, a rape, and, and incest, and, and something else. And I was like, I, I I don't know what to I don't even know what to say at this point, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, I'm glad I stuck it out because it's actually not a bad movie if you sit down and watch it all. Uh, it, it's, it's three hours and 19 minutes long. I do know that much um, and has some great musical scores. But this is um, an epic movie along the lines of like Ben-Hur, Gone with the Wind, where you have your entrance and the overture. And then you have it at a small intermission and, and like that. So uh, just be prepared. If you're going to watch it, you're going to want to sit down and chuck a time or, or several days to, to take it all in because it is a rough movie at some point. Yeah. Certain points. Yeah, well, I don't feel like we're going for like the the Lawrence of Arabia vibe, right. simply about you know having a war conflict and having a very long timeline of covering that entire story. In this case, here in the entire basically the entire life of Doctor Zhivago from an early man to um, his eventual death. It's Not just a war yeah. and a revolution of uh, military proportions, but also a war in his own personal love life, if you will. Yeah, definitely. So. Kyle, I think we've rattled on long enough. Let's go ahead and take it away so we can get this on the road. All right, let's get it going here. We have Dr. Zhivago, released in 1965, directed by David Lean, written by Boris Pasternak from the original Navi, and uh, from the original novel, not Navi. And um, the screenplay was adapted by Robert Bolt, uh, produced by Carlo Ponte. 
um, composed by Maurice Jarry. Uh, J- Jerry, I believe it's I believe it's Murray Sturry. I'm not sorry, sorry I'm not saying runs. Um, cinematographer was Freddie Young. Editor was Norman Savage, and additional production designer was John Box. Uh, for a brief plot summary here, we have during the Russian Revolution, Doctor Yuri Zhivago, played by Omar Sharif, is a young doctor who is raised by his aunt and uncle following his father's suicide. Yuri falls in love with a beautiful Laura Gushner, who has been having an affair with her mother's lover, Victor. Korovsky, played by Rod Rodstiger, I believe it's in the Rodstiger, an unscrupulous businessman. Um, Yuri, however, ends up marrying his cousin Tonya, played by Gwendolyn Chaplin. But when he and Laura meet again years later, the sparks of love reignites. Let me ask you a question. Yes. When you first meet uh, Rodstiger and and Tonya, um, when remember when he's like, "Well, how old are you? What put this on your head? Whatever," and did you get this feeling that the first time it was rape and not uh, an affair? Rape. I don't want to say rape, but the the terminology. Well, it, it, the terminology is non consensual, even if she believes she consents. Because it's already, I believe, she's sixteen or seventeen. So, like by today's standards, we'd call it grooming or something like that, too, or emotional manipulation, like to get a younger woman in his life. And because he is one of the, you know, he's a, you know. Higher class businessman, a wealthy aristocrat from the uh, you know the before the Russian Revolution, he feels he has he's entitled to anything he wants, basically like that. Right, but so. but but I think the the because you say an affair, and I don't think it started off that way, but I think it ended that way where she uh, didn't really deny it either. You know what I mean? There's definitely yeah. I mean, going through the long term, I think they call it an affair, but during the initial time, you would call it a rape. Um, but it's clear that they have had, uh, you know, there's been added complexity over the years of that generation where, like, you know, like he's at times tried to do the right thing and failed or, like, you know, did more did different immoral things that create complexity to his character. You know, like nothing's nothing is entirely black and white in the story. Even the most evil people have moments that are them trying to help someone else. And, you know, like, even if you do um, condemn them still, it there's still aspects like it's undeniable he cared to some degree in his own sick and perverted way so and uh, was that was that her stepdad yes i believe it was that's what i didn't know i didn't know if they were well he said i well it doesn't say they're ever married but her mother's lover right so that's yeah so playing the role of her stepdad and then later you know uh you know uh taking advantage of this young woman um so yeah so definitely gross (laughs) (laughs) gross <laughs> <laughs> well uh, there's it's, a race, it's, a it's really gross I don't like it <laughs> yeah, it look Kyle's like opinion is it really bothers 50, me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really deep opinion of it right there um, anyways, moving on here um, we have the budget for the film which was just 11 million dollars in 1965 um, gross worldwide was 111 million dollars oh, 111.9 million dollars so almost 112 there you know with inflation today that's gonna be an astronomical oh about sure. about 10 times what it's worth now easily um, closer to so you know think more of a budget of along 110 million dollars 
dollars, which even now, like, that's incredibly impressive for the amount of movie they produced. You know, uh, that's another thing that kind of baffles me sometimes, just seeing, like, even the budgets of today, even just for inflation, like, they got a lot done for that kind of money um, versus now where it's like, we put half a billion dollars into this and we got 20 seconds of really cool CG. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, cool. And uh, in the gross worldwide, of course, also kind of goes up to like, you know, closer to 10 million, you know, uh, you know 10 times that amount of motion or easily double, you know, <laughs> kind of a huge disparity there. Um, anyways, moving on here, I'm going to head on to the awards for Dr. Zivago. For Dr. Zivago here, we have, um, we're going to start with the most recent award, actually. In 2016, it won the Online Film and Television Association's Award for the Film Hall of Fame back in 2016. And then in 1988, it won the People Choices Award for Favorite All-Time Motion Picture Song for the song My Love, or Laura's Theme. In 1967, it also won the David D. Donatello Awards for Best Foreign Director, David Lean. Best Foreign Actors, related to Julia Christie, and Best Foreign Production, um, related um, uh, rewarded to um, Carlo Ponte. Then, 1967, we also have the Golden Screen Award in Germany, where it won that award. Uh, we also it won a Grammy for Best Original Score, written for a motion picture or television show. In '66, it had won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography in Color, um, Best Writing, um, or, or for a screenplay based on material from another medium. Best Music and Score, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, uh, was related to um, Tom Courtenay. Then um, going forward here, it also won the award for Best Art Direction and Set Direction Color. And uh, it was also won the Oscar for Best Costume Design. Moving on here to the British Society of Cinematographers in 1966, it won the Best Cinematography Award, awarded to Freddie Young. Then in 66 again, we have the Golden Globes Award here, where it won Best Actor to Omar Sharif, Best Director to David Lean, Best Original Score, Best Screenplay, and Best Motion Picture for the Golden Globe Awards. And in 1966, also won the Laurel Awards for Best Drama. In 1966, it also had the National Border Review Awards for Top 10 Films and Best Actress, rewarded to Julia Christie. And that is the awards um, I could get for Dr. Zivago. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton, there's of, a, a ton of other nominations and uh, further awards. I kind of had down the list here, but um, just can't cover quite all of them there. But they're lesser known rewards or like actually just like um, the general uh, page cutoff there. So a lot of other. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. the, the page cutoff. The page cutoff. <laughs> Makes a lot more sense. It's okay. Uh, but no, I, I, I'll be here for a long time if I went through, like, trying to find every single award I ever got. Like, someone called it the best award of all time. You if know? you uh, if you could give it one award, Kyle, or you think there was one award that it was deserving of, what would it be? One Personally. Award. Quit looking at the notes and just tell me what your thoughts are. Um, You know, the common awards it was getting, I would probably give it best original score, for sure. I mean, I think the, the musical... Um, the, the the musical uh, performances in each and every single like scene going forward and like the consistency of the film adds to the depth of the entire narrative overall like Laura's theme especially um, having that song repeatedly go back and forth back and forth kind of adds to the moments of uh, the the precious moments of hope you have in that world that they might see a better day in the future 
and uh, how difficult it is to have. And without that, you kind of have a just a, a overwhelmingly depressing film that no one would ever want to watch. Where with the score specifically, you can actually appreciate what the film is. So no Pacific War, I'm like, oh, it definitely needs you know the Oscar award for this. But um, if there's one award it gets, it has to be for its score. I think. Like, well, I, you know. I think if I was giving it one, I think it would be for best cinematography. And I'll tell you why. There was two scenes that stick out in my mind. Just from this cinema, one of them is where um, Laura and uh, I think it's her. Um, what's the guy's name that gets the cut down the side? Her fiance. Yeah, fiance. Uh, that was pop, uh, uh, Pasha. Is it Pasha? Yes, yeah, so Pasha. Tom yeah. Pasha's character. So where uh, this is where she finds out that, um, or he finds out that he had written a letter, or she had written a letter explaining her affair and all that. That's after she went and tried to to uh, kill him remember mm-hmm. at the Christmas party and she's up in the window and that there's a uh, she's sitting there and she's selling him and he breaks down and there's like a candle in the window or window and as it fades back you see uh, Parish uh, oh Dr. Shivago yeah Shivago and, and his wife you know or fiance I guess at that time mm-hmm. in the sleigh you know what I mean and, and you, that candle you know it fades down so that's one it, it was really well done but the second one is when um, he's over uh, in the medical field, and he runs into Laura, and she's ironing or something. And he, this is where he says, "You know, uh, just stay with me. You know, uh, we won't go back, or whatever." And if you if you watch that scene, he's in the shadows, like like his whole face is like dark, and you just see like his eyes. You know, what I mean, it's really dark, mm-hmm. and you can see it's like a, a dark time for him. I think it's very interesting and well done, and I think it's shot that way. To show how he was feeling at the time, and not just yeah, the emotional know, turmoil. It his was fate, amazingly shot. So all those kind of things. Yeah. Those are the two that I would give it for. So, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's an incredibly impressive film. You know, um, I yeah. If it wasn't you know the 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 subject matter makes it difficult to watch, but it also so is, impressive. Kyle watched it twice. Yeah, I did. I did. I watched it twice, and I still feel like I like. I don't know what I'm going to say about this film. <laughs> we talked about this like, There's a lot of it, and it's really deep. <laughs> but I mean, it's also. Just and like, I don't know if we can actually get to the bottom of the whole movie uh, as we're covering it either, because it's just so, so, so epic. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I would have an, I would have an easier time drinking an ocean than I would explaining all <laughs> Doctor Zhivago cutting the sands on the shore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> moving on, we have a little bit of the um, technical details of the film. We have a runtime of 197 minutes, <laughs> and it's it's a long one, and you feel it because <laughs> you 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 know, and you basically see, I mean, the bulk of entirety of uh, Doctor Zhivago and Laura's life. Um, basically, the entire film, and you just kind of feel the overwhelming journey they kind of went on. So uh, it's definitely like, man, like, you, like you, you get like forty minutes in, you're like, this is this is still the beginning. What what's happening here? <laughs> or you're just, or you're an hour and a half in, and you realize like, wait, I've I've watched two films already. <laughs> yeah, it's like an hour and a half, or hour and twenty minutes in, and, and Shivago hasn't even talked to Laura yet. And you're exactly. like, uh. yeah, he's yeah. like, oh my gosh, what is what is going on here? <laughs> Yeah, because you kind of feel lost. Just like, what is now? Like, you know, now if you're going to try something like this, like you would, you would do a mini series. You wouldn't even try to a movie like this. Actually, I think in 2002 they redid this. uh, I think it was on British TV. 
a miniseries. Oh, as a miniseries. And they added some stuff in there that was missing from the film that was in the book. So I think oh, it's pretty that, interesting. That would have been incredible. Okay, I, Kyle, I want you to report back after you watch yeah, the I'm miniseries. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to go track that down. <laughs> what did you say? Was it Britain? Or uh, it somewhere in British yeah, film, I think. Find some it's Brit- in the notes, British VHS tapes and be like, I finally watched it, guys. I got through Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> For only fourteen ninety nine a month here, you got to get like 60 of them. Yeah, 60 <laughs> tapes. Yeah. Throw $100 a piece somehow because yeah. they're all rare. <laughs> Lost media is so sad, guys. <laughs> just try, you find an old show. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't find WKRP in Cincinnati well, I mean, anymore. That's how they. That's how they used to come, though. You know, what I mean, oh, yeah. uh, here's volume one. Well, it's only season, uh, season one, half of season yeah. one. Or you know, this is like, season one A. If you want season one B, yeah, yeah. We're trying to buy like anime in the 2000s, either or the late 90s. It's like, oh gosh, like you're gonna pay forty dollars for a tape. <laughs> it's two episodes. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Getting oh, we 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 live in richer times for finding lost media, but it's still it's still can be a challenge. I'm sure the bridge tapes are hard to come by too, or there's some bootleg on YouTube somewhere that we haven't found. Um, But yeah, going on to once again the technical details. We're done with 197 minutes, over three hours long. uh, Right at about three hours if you don't count the uh, the intermission and the um, the overture. If you don't count those, then probably it's right about three minutes, three hours. Um, sound mix. This is a three-channel stereo by Westrex Recording Systems for 5.1 surround sound systems, I guess. Color info, color movie. Aspect ratio is 2.2 by 1. Um, so a wide aspect ratio, very, very, you know, very wide. And, you know, you know, typically you see 16 by 9 or 21 by 9 from most films. This film goes even further on that. And let's see here. Film length of 5,460 meters. Imagine just being like a projector and at the, you know, like a projector and like you just hate. I, you, would, you hate or you love it. Or how would you like, like to be the uh, like the editor or, you know, the one that on the cutting room floor with all that footage, dude? It'd oh, be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you just like, you come into work every day and you see like a wall of reels and it's like, okay, we got to make this into a film. Like what in the world do you even do? <laughs> you know, and then you try and tell the guy like, you know, this should probably be two films separately, right? Like, no, no, no. It's going to be one film. It's going to be way too long. Like, oh, oh crazy crazy yeah that's the other thing too this could have been two films and i still feel like i would have got my fill yeah you pretty much could have been yeah i think there's a very real case where you probably could have made, you probably could have found that cut where two films made sense um uh more refined release date here we actually have uh, uh, uh december 22nd in 1965 was the official new york city premiere uh speaking of that uh the filming dates Went but, from December. I got it over here. Oh, go Went on, from go. December twentieth of nineteen sixty four to October seventh of nineteen sixty five. Wow. So yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. It makes sense for how big and ambitious this film was. Ooh, okay. Moving on here, we finally have the last little part for my factoids. Here we have the cast, which I'll be a little bit more brief on than have because like there are pages and pages of cast characters. So I'm just gonna keep like the main cast and move on from there and see where we go. So we have Omar Sh- Sharif playing Yuri. Omar Sharif, best known from such movies as Lawrence of Arabia in 1962, Funny Girl in 1968, and Hildago in 2004. That was a great movie. Did you ever see Hildago with uh, Viggo Mortensen I, I about the, the horse? I, have, I regret that I have not seen it. I need to watch more Viggo Mortensen films, honestly. That's a really good movie. Like, he's a great actor and like everything he's in is cool and I want to see more of him stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, Viggo Mortensen. Like, I feel like I've just, I've, I, I spaced out and I missed him as an actor and I need to go back and watch everything he's ever did now because it's like, no, no, these are all good. I just didn't watch his movies for some reason. <laughs> uh, next up we have Julia Christie playing Laura, basically the, um, the, 
you know, basically the main character of the film, arguably with Doctor Zhivago, co-leads, if you will, in my my opinion. I think Laura. Yeah, Laura or Tanya. I would say Laura. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, well, if you want to say Tanya, you can't go it, wrong. Yeah, I yeah, mean. Yeah. Tanya was the daughter, correct? I know it was not no. Her. She was the, the uh, sister. Or the, yeah, 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 she was his his wife. His, okay, yeah. Laura finding was the relations his, of all these characters. Laura too. was his, I guess, his uh, mistress, if you yeah, will, yeah. Uh, the other woman, his sister, wife, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I caught him off guard. Uh, gosh. Like See, I this, said, this movie is dark and serious. We've got to find some opportunity to try and laugh at this. Yeah, because if not, you just yeah. go down a rabbit hole that you won't be able to yeah, come yeah, out yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And that was a nice, depressing two hours of a podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. So, Laura, um, uh, Julie Christie was in such films as Fahrenheit 451 in 1966, Don't Look Now in 1973, and Darling in 1965. Next up, we have Gwendolyn Chaplin playing Tonya. She was in the films Talk to Her in 2002, Chaplin in 1992, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018, very recently. Yeah. Really? Yeah, she played the, I believe, the, uh, the was like, not a house servant, seems like demeaning, but she basically like the house servant in like the rich man's house, and the, who's basically like the uh, the curator of the next Jurassic Park, basically like that. Huh. Yeah, the guy who was like, oh, let's make the one, that, the one that had like the museum in his house? Yeah, the museum in his house. Yeah, yeah. The guy was like, let's put a gun on a raptor. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, don't do not do that. Don't put guns on raptors, folks. I never watched the latest movie. Did you watch that? Yep. You did? Was it good? It was alright. It was alright? I'll check it out sometime. Alright. Not really. I was just saying. <laughs> just saying to move along, Kyle. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to, that, that's let's a subject for, on the Jurassic that's World a, podcast. That's a subject for a real talk. A real talk someday. We'll get into the whole Jurassic Park uh, anthology. <laughs> okay, next up we have um, Rod Steiger playing um, um, Comero, uh, Comero Ma. Komorovsky. Komorovsky? Komorovsky. You had to change your voice. Komorovsky. I'm going to say that as the pronunciation. I'm going to try that. I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more times here to to try and fail. Yeah, you're probably going to slaughter a lot of these. Yeah. um, uh, Komorovsky, played by Rod Steiger. Uh, Rod Steiger was also in such films as In the Heat of the Night in 1967. We just watched. In the Heat of the Night. Earlier this year, I believe. Um, Also, A Fistful of Dynamite. In 1971, and Waterloo in 1970. And next up, we have the legendary Al Guinness playing of of Um Al Guinness, of course, known as the OG Obi Wan from the original Star Wars. Holy Doctor Shivago, you're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Bridge of River Kwai River Kai in 1957 as well. Al Guinness, of course, legendary actor, and uh, it was uh, it was Lawrence of Arabia as well. He's in it as well. In 1962, um, next up we have Tom, uh, Tom Courtney playing Pasha, uh, the 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 Russian, uh, you know, the the ultimate communist soldier, basically. Uh, Which is very interesting. Well, he's not the no, but he was the one that was wanting the revolution, right? Yes, yes, yes. And he ended up being like the like the top guy, yeah, for a long the, time. the head commander like, or whatever. Like the, they kind of made him like the Rambo for a while. That world or not? Well, no, he was, he was the Rambo was disgraced by his own country. So, like, I'm trying to think. Like, they made him like the top special ops man. Like, you're going to give you a rogue train when you go around all of Russia solving problems. And it's like, 
what? <laughs> like, like he seemed all right, but I don't know if he was like the super spy when I saw him in the first scenes. But I guess that the kind of became... speaking of him, man. What about that scene where you know they 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 attacked everybody? They were doing that march mm-hmm. or whatever, and then he gets goes to the uh, uh, what's her name's house, Laura's house, and dude, he's got that a, cut just yeah. straight down the side of his his cheek, dude. Like like how how deep would you say that was? But eight oh, inches yeah, at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. At and least. then he goes over there and he takes what was the iodine or whatever, just slurs it on there. He just collapses yeah. that whole thing. <laughs> She's like, like oh. you are insane. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Like, clearly that man not quite right in the head. <laughs> wow, I was like, wow. Like, he had some very strong beliefs that went way beyond reasonable. <laughs> it's like, you need to help yourself maybe sometimes too, man. You're not just an animal. Well, not only like that, but he when... He saw himself as a tool of revolution. When Rod Steiger's uh, character, I was a Malowski or whatever his yeah. name is, when remember when uh, Laura brings him to meet him at lunch or whatever, and he's sitting there and he's like, uh, "Well, yeah, well, you want to marry her? What? Tell me your your future plans or whatever." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to be what? What do you say? Something in France or something? I don't remember." And, and yeah. she's like, uh, and "He's like, oh, uh, an instructor. I think he wanted to be a teacher." And he's like, "Well, that's not much of a salary, you know, a wealthy salary." He's like, "It's enough. It'll be enough or whatever." And then he just gives up. Good day, sir. Good whatever. Day, sir. Yeah. Walks out. Uh, yeah, very interesting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot more people than I could read a lot more into him about you know his motivations and what he believed because he's just um, he seemed to have this level <laughs> of detachment from his own needs and of life. There's two um, people he reminds me of. One is the um, the uh, inspector from Frankenstein with the, the hand, you know what I mean, and then. I think that was Young Frankenstein, and then yeah, um, it was the guy um, from Indiana Jones, the one that gets the the thing burned into his hands. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like him too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there, some of that imagery definitely kind of relates. I, I agree, and uh, yeah, and it's very clear that just like he he was so detached himself from like his own personal needs to any degree. Like 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 no, he like already people people talk to him like he eats bread and beans every single day. That's all he eats. You know those kind of things. Like he was just a tool for the government that he's that he now serves, and that he he like doesn't care for love or anything else. All he others needs in his life, and it was like it was actually very sad. Yeah, and even at the end, the hit the the end of his life is uh, really sad too so interesting character for sure i you know like, i might watch this a third time again just to see if i get a greater depth of understanding of all these characters because i still felt like i was just like in a last um haze of like boredom yeah sometimes. but when you come in there cold turkey i mean you don't know what you're getting I mean, there's, yeah some of the things like i feel like i like i need to read the historical context and a book itself and then actually watch the movie again and then get even more greater graphs like oh this is what they're talking about in this scene specifically okay i'll see if i can find the dr shivago uh, graphic novel for you because i know reading's not your forte Exactly. I need. I need. Can you give me a pop up book? Or <laughs> yeah, and this was the Russian Revolution. Right in this perspective. Ah, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> womp womp. No. Next up, we have um, oh, um, Seabomb McKinney playing Anna. Um, she was in the film of King of Kings in 1961, and that's the only other film I have her listed in right there. I'm sure other films, but I don't have them on hand right here. Next up, we have Ralph Richardson playing Alexander. Um, Ralph Richardson was in such films such as The Heiress in 1949, The Fallen Idol in 1948, and Women of Straw in 1964. And moving on here, we're just going to do a one movie per character um, thing here. We, of course, have Jeffrey Rockland playing um, Sasha. 
Um, Jeffrey Rockland was actually best known for just this one movie right here in Dr. Zhivago. Could have been other movies, so I don't know for sure. Then we have Tariq Sharif playing Yuri at eight years old. Tariq Sharif was also in the movie Avalanche in 1994. You know, that is Omar Sharif's son. Omar Sharif's son. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. They had the last name. No, but I mean, they, they cast him for that. For Specifically that for that reason, because yeah. he would look like closer to, like, okay, you're going to play the young version of your dad. Mm. Yeah. That, that's smart. Yeah. Um, and let's see here. We also have, oh, let me make sure I'm actually finding the right name characters here because, like, here at moments are like, you're like, this character's just called the Bolshevik. Like, oh, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> I think that's more of a walk on kind of name. <laughs> um, let's see here. We have Noel William playing Razin. He was in the film um, The Man Who Knew Too Much in 1956. And um, you know, I think we're actually just gonna kind of cut the cast a little bit short right there because I don't want to. I don't want to underrepresent or overrepresent these characters in the story. Where and I fail to remember exactly every single scene they were in. So I'm just gonna cut the cast there. So that's gonna be the cast of Doctor Chicago. Whew! Yeah, all right. I am. I am. I'm feeling all, all right. right. We're covering this like, film one way or another. Glad you made it through. Now let's get into the deep stuff. Mm-hmm. The deeper stuff. I think one of the coolest scenes of this film too is when they. Um, Go to like the the uh, what was it like the ice palace or whatever it is where it's covered mm-hmm. in ice and you see like his mustache and everything's like oh, frozen yeah. to his face, but uh, like a uh, most of the inside of the, yeah. yeah most of the inside of that ice palace was uh, made uh, uh, specifically uh, formed wax so oh wow yeah it looked really cool huh. I wonder how expensive that was just doing that <laughs> I don't know formed wax but this like movie that. wasn't shown in Russia until 1994. Mm-hmm. So that's like almost 30 years. Yeah, I can see the subject matter hitting a little too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, critics tore this film apart upon its release. Newsweek commented about hack job sets and pallid photography. Director David Lean was so deeply affected that he swore he would never make another movie. Thanks in part to MGM's marketing campaign and strong word of mouth, this became the second highest grossing movie of 1965, only behind The Sound of Music. It received 10 Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture and Director, and won five awards, giving Lean the confidence to continue making movies. His next movie, Ryan's Daughter, which I've never seen, received a poisonous reception from critics and bombed at the box office. Lean made his next film, A Passage to India, over 14 years later. Oh, wow. 14 years. That's a long career of just being like being thrown out, like, oh, this movie is terrible. I'll never make another movie again. Uh, we talked about that. Rod Steiger, the guy with the, uh, mm-hmm. who was... Um, Rod Steiger was uh, the, uh, the the stepdad, the, the, I guess. Uh, yeah, Kamarovsky. Yeah, he was on set for 12 months filming. Uh, the movie was shot in Spain during the regime of General Francisco Franco. One day, while filming the scene with the crowd chanting the Marxist theme at 3 a.m., police showed up on set thinking a real revolution was taking place and insisted on staying until the scene was finished. <laughs> the secret police supposedly surveyed the crowd as the extras sang the Internationale for a protest scene, so many extras pretended they didn't know the words. <laughs> of course the extras have been rehearsing the singing of the International before the scene was shot. Meanwhile, residents who lived nearby had awoken to the singing of it and mistakenly concluded that Franco uh, had died or been overthrown. Some residents even popped champagne bottles in the mistaken honor rumor. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what else can you say? Just wow. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, we're going to pop this champagne we've been saving for 112 yeah. years. This moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, put the cork back in. Uh, David Lean's first uh, choice for the title role was Peter O'Toole, who declined, citing the grueling experience of making Lawrence of Arabia with Lean. 
this is a there was created a rift between the two that was never fully healed. Oh, that's sad. Uh, who was Rita Tushingham there, Kyle? Rita Tushingham was. Let me take a look right here. Um, biting time, writing time, biting time. I don't even hear in the cast list right here. Rita oh, well, Tushingham. Yeah. Uh, well, she filmed her part in only two weeks. Filmed her part in only two weeks time, and I gotta say, I can't. Was that the mother? I think it may have been. Or was Yuri's mother possibly? Um, well, I hope it didn't take two weeks to film that scene. <laughs> it was two weeks to film. Yeah, that was only one scene, so you're right. Probably took less than that. A more significant character that I also totally just basically forgot. Oh, jeez. I really do. Yeah, don't see her in the cast list at all. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, well, wow. Omar, Omar Sharif asked director David Lean to consider him for the role of uh, Pasha. He was surprised when Lean actually offered him the title role. A most here you go, Kyle. This sounds like a fact of yours. Most of the exteriors were completely built inside, making them interiors. <laughs> so outside, inside. Or it's inside, the living outside. the dream right there. Like, right. What if I had all the benefits outside but inside? Yeah. Uh, when Laura slaps Victor, who slaps her back, Victor's slap was not in the script or discussed during filming. Ron Steiger did it only during filming. Did Julie Christie's son reaction was genuine? Smack, smack. <laughs> Uh, uh, David Lean actually wanted Audrey Hepburn to play Tanya, but he was so impressed by Geraldine Chaplin's audition that he cast her on the spot. That's a cast her. That, that's basically unheard of. Even look now, up so that like, Rita uh, Tushingham. That's bothering me. Rita Tushingham. I'll look up. Right yeah, I'm gonna see who that right was. That's, that's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Should have been on top of that. Uh, the film used thousands of extras, including Spanish soldiers and Finnish uh, Sammy, for the scenes in Siberia. The shooting exceeded the 10-month schedule because David Lean wanted to capture the different seasons. Filming took place during one of Spain's mildest winters, leading to delays and the need to use marble dust and plastic snow in height of summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rhea Tushingham was cast as, as the girl. Oh, the girl from... <laughs> well, well, I'm glad we've... Yeah, that all... girl. That girl. What girl? The girl from the start. The girl implied to be the doctor of lore. The yes, daughter of lore. So, yes, so, yes. That's Rita so, character. Um, I guess we should we should back up and tell people... The central conceit of the story is that uh, it's... Uh, basically, Ali Guinness has come to this... I don't want to say concentration camp. Uh, where... Is it a mine? A dam? Something is, like that? It is, uh, a, it is a kind of... It is a worker facility, you know? Right. Yeah. And he's trying to yeah. find, uh, basically, Dr. Shivago's daughter... Mm-hmm. Well, not daughter. His his niece. No, his niece. no, because no, Laura's his Laura, brother's huh brother. He's trying to find his brother's daughter. I don't think it was his daughter. It was wasn't it the uh, Laura's daughter? It was Laura's daughter, but uh, Doctor Vado raised her as the father. That's why he saw her as a niece. So he was going to do that. I I think I don't. I think the matter of who the parent actually is is some contestant. I think. Well, that's where she. That's where he's like, you know, because because remember she said, um, at the end of the movie, when he's got that book there and he's telling him, well, this is your yeah. father or whatever, or the the man that you got separated from was actually mm-hmm. the other guy. Was yeah. it Romanowski? Yeah, it was Romanowski. He's got um, that that she got lost in the. In the middle of the when remember? she got on the train and left, yeah, because she was only eight years old. No, where she got in the in the city, remember that's how she got separated. Oh, from Doctor Zhivago, yes. No, what? Kyle, yes. did you not watch the movie? What? Okay, yes, I hang on, class. I'm pausing this so I can prove something to Kyle. Okay, all right, we're back. 
Uh, we just pulled up the movie, and I had to explain a whole little diagram to... Uh, and now we understand less. Yeah. <laughs> so now I think I need to watch it again. But anyway, so there's a lady, like we said, that is at this uh, work camp. Labor and camp, Ali yeah. Guinness is there. Um, and he's called her into his uh, office. He's been on this search for this young lady uh, trying to find, um, I guess it would be his niece. Um, I, uh, he assumes. But yeah. basically this turns out to be Laura's daughter. And she got lost when she was eight years old. And he's asking her, like, look, who is your father? Is this your father? Is this your father? And she's like, look, my father. She's like, how did you get lost? She said, my father, we were running. There was bombs going off. And there was people running in the streets. And he, she, she starts crying. She's like, he, and, and he let go of my hand. He let go of my hand. And he's like, that wasn't your father. He said, that was Kamenetsky. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's like, this is your father, which was... Dr. Shivago. The only problem with that is if this is Laura's daughter, which she had before she met Shivago. Yeah. And when Shivago finally did meet up with her again after the war, and I think this girl was like, what, six, eight, uh, yeah. eight-ish? Um, there's, he's not her biological dad. Uh, he... They may have spoke so highly of him that she thought he was, a, or you know, they thought he was. A, but from what we can gather from this intel that we just watched, without watching the whole movie again, is that there comes a time when they come and they tell uh, they're at the ice palace and Romanowski comes or Kamanowski, sorry, and he's like, "Look, you know, I've got a safe passage for for you guys to come with me to get away. We got be somewhere safe, right? Hopefully, yeah." So he takes. Uh, Laura and he takes uh, the daughter. I think was her name uh, Tanya or something like that. I think I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, he tells her, you know, come on, I can get you out of here. And he goes and um, she's. He's like, I got to go upstairs and grab some bags and some stuff. So if you uh, remember the scene, he runs upstairs. He looks out the window and he watches the sleigh as it leaves because I think he knows that he's not going to see him again at this point. You oh know yeah, I mean? yeah, he's certain of it. So yeah. it's a very you know. Just watching while we watch and trying to put it all together, it just makes me want to watch it again now because now I'm I don't want to say I'm confused, but I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe just watch the beginning. I, feel like I still haven't tied all of this quite together right. yet. Yeah. So wow, if that's true, then I just made a connection. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so if somebody watches this, let me know what you think or if you've seen it before because. That's very interesting. I need to go back and watch the beginning where the, where it first starts where he's looking for this lady and then this end scene again. I can fill in the blanks in between. But he has that book there and he's like, this is your father and it's Shivago. And I'm like, that's not Shivago's daughter because it doesn't ever say that Shivago and um, what's her head? Wait a minute. Uh, Wait. No. Did, you're putting the web together. I don't know where you're going with it yet. Okay. Well, I'm saying, did Shivago and Laura, was she pregnant with his yeah, she was pregnant with his child, wasn't she? After when she was leaving, yeah, when she was leaving the place, I believe she was. She had the child after she left the um, the hospital they were both working out, or the uh, the 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 um the so soldier you think, camp they were. Being, so they were do you think that. that this is the younger child instead of the older child? It could very possibly be. You've um, watched it twice, Kyle. Yes, I know, I have, I have. Okay, yeah. well. Needless to say, that lady filmed her role in only two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. well, Good for her. I need to go back and check that out. So, mm -hmm. 
Watched it very fourth time. That's why I'm saying it's, it gets very. If, if when you're watching an epic movie like this, if you don't like even Lawrence of Arabia, if you don't have like a side chart of names and characters and everything as you're watching it, you will be lost. Well, it's also it, this is a movie that probably best served and also in theaters where it demands your whole attention and you're watching it the whole time, being captivated by it. Whereas like watching it in a room or a living room or a bedroom and just kind of like. Even it kind of, time, like, you kind of glance at your phone real like, quick. Oh, look, there's a fly. <laughs> yeah, there's a fly in the world, you know. Yeah, so our, I'm, in I'm our ADT to, generation, I'm, it's like, nah. I'm not, now I'm going to have to check that out again because now I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm confused. Because now you're asking questions. I am confused. I'm like, I'm not sure anymore. I doubt right. everything. Did I even watch this movie? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very interesting. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. A 10 acre replica of Moscow was built in Canalis, a suburb of Madrid. It included a cobbled 800-yard street with trolley cars, a train uh, a viaduct, and a replica of the Kremlin, and 60 shops and houses circling a giant plaza. So, over four that work there, yeah. right? Over 4,000 daffodils were imported from the Netherlands and placed on the outskirts of Soria, where Doctor Shivago's father-in-law's country's estate was. The soundtrack sold more than 600,000 copies during the movie's initial release. So that's 600,000. Wow. Yeah. You know, it has some good music. It really, it really does. does. It's very impressive. Pasha Antipovo, Antipo's armored train was an accurate replica of trains that were used during World War One and World War Two to travel across areas with heavy snow that were inaccessible to trucks or tanks. It is some of the coolest machinery ever. Just kind of watching it just plow through that the snow. snow. It yeah, was really yeah. cool. There's great videos online too of like even going through big deeper snow. Like this is going through ten feet of snow, and you just see this like chimney sweep basically just moving through the land. It's great. Uh, Lila Marati, you know who that was, Kyle? I doubt it. No, uh, she not. was the lady that had the baby in her hand and she was running to get on the train. Oh yeah, chasing the train yeah. down and threw the baby in, even though the baby was already dead. Yeah, baby. Was but uh, she was seriously injured while shooting the scene, and which she runs beside the train and grabs Omar Sharif's hand to be hauled aboard. Sharif had been instructed to grab and hold on to Marathi's hand. She started panicking, said Ernest Day, who was watching it all through the camera, but he didn't understand her. She was trying to make him let go, and when she did finally wrench her hand away, she stumbled and disappeared out of the viewfinder. Marathi was wearing thick clothes, and she curled up in a ball as she fell, so the train wheels didn't sever her limbs. Her stumble appears in the finished movie. That's okay. That that explains a lot, too, because watching that scene, I was horrified that someone just died right there. <laughs> and that's what I thought the film was trying to do. That's what I thought was going to happen, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the movie was saying, like, oh, yeah, she's going to fall into those tracks and die a horrible death. And then finding out it basically kind of did <laughs> must happen in real life. You're right. Makes a lot more sense. Because that was kind of gross to watch. (laughs) Despite its highly diverse international cast, the movie contains almost no Russian actors or actresses, or even actors or actresses of Russian heritage. Yeah. What's the, um, oh, the the, the Chernobyl uh, um, uh, drama documentary series? Yeah. (laughs) Same thing. They just got a bunch of Russian actors, and they don't even try to do (laughs) Russian accent. It was just Chernobyl. It wasn't Chernobyl. Adjusted for inflation, this was as of 2010. This is the eighth highest grossing movie of all time. Eighth highest grossing movie of all time. That is very impressive. I wonder if... Well, it would be back in 2010. I, in like a, I forgot to write it down, Kyle. Find out where this falls in the uh, top 100 movies of all time. I'm looking at right now. I thought it was like... I forget. Uh, the charge of the Partisans across the frozen lake was filmed in temperatures over 30 degrees Celsius or 86 degrees Fahrenheit. A cast iron sheet was placed over the riverbed and covered with fake snow. Mm-hmm. Omar Sharif claimed that he was so close to a breakdown through most of the filming due to stress over playing such a high-profile role and David Lee's demands on him. 
Uh, you said the budget was uh, eleven million dollars. Yeah, well, it started at five million and it ballooned to fifteen million. They said <laughs> fifteen million. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of building on those kind of movies. Like, like even like well, Grand, this is now you know more than sixty, well, almost sixty years ago now. You know, accountability for like, where the budget actually goes. Like a hundred thousand dollars went here, or there. You know, so even like eleven million dollars could be under or over what the actual budget was. If they say fifteen million, I believe it. You know, something was spent somewhere. I'm sure. Looking at the list After now. Gone with the Wind, this is the second most profitable movie in MGM's history. Hmm. I think I'll try to look at the top ten current um, high school movie of all time now because that that precludes you know Avatar and Avengers Endgame, which I both think took one you know seats one and two. So that probably moved Chicago down to either ten or under ten now. What for what for a highest grossing movie of all time? I'm going to take a look at that list. Um, right now, for the top 100 movies of all time, this said adjusted, adjusted for inflation, though. you got to remember inflation. Well, still adjusted for inflation still counts. It. You know, uh, that's what I'm going to look at for the list, for yeah. adjusted for inflation. Um, for the top 100 movies of all time, Dr. Zhivago sits at number 48. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep, five Oscars, ten Oscar nominations, um, and three BAFTA nomination awards. Uh, BAFTA nomination. What, what does BAFTA stand for? That's a good question. British and film movie something. Cool. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> British and film something. Uh, David Lean had heard a piece of Russian music that he felt was perfect for the movie. He wasn't able to secure the copyright, so he asked Maurice Jarre to create a suitable theme. After rejecting all of Jarre's submissions, Lean told him to take off for the weekend, hole up with your girlfriend in a cabin in the mountains, and make love for the entire weekend. Jarre returned from the weekend with Laura's theme. <laughs> That's sweet, sweet music in his ear. Uh, Omar Sharif had to have his eyes taped back daily and his hair straightened to disguise his Egyptian looks. He also had his hairline shaved up about two to three inches and his skin waxed, a process that had to be repeated every three days. Three days? Oh, that's miserable. Julie Christie hated having to wear the infamous red dress. David Lean told her that was how he wanted her to play the role. Laura's older uh, older lover had bought the dress for her, and he was expecting her to wear it. Julie then wore the dress and completed the scene. Um, Geraldine Chaplin's first film scene was when her character Tanya reads out a letter to Alexander. Although she pulled off the scene, the camera didn't pick up the fact that she was shaking throughout. Uh, Dirk uh, Borgard, Sean Connery, Burt Lancaster, and Max von Sendow were considered for the title role, but they never were actually offered the role uh, the, the part because David Lee had already offered the role to Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif. Okay. Many, many of the wonder scenes were shot in the summer, with actors and actresses wearing heavy Russian furs and temperatures as high as 116 degrees Fahrenheit. Costume designer Phyllis Dalton had to keep strict watch over the extras to make sure none of them shed layers of clothing to cool off. Omar Sharif later noted we had an army of makeup assistants who every two minutes came and dabbed you because you were sweating profusely. For the scenes in which Dr. uh, Yuri Shivago and his family suffered through a torturous train ride to their summer home in the Urals, the company shot in Finland and Canada with full cooperation of the Finnish State Railways and the Canadian Pacific Railway Company. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the list here, I have to do some actual comparisons because there's no um, one place that has the top grossing movies of lifetime gross on the um, list. But it'd be right now, as of uh, 2022, it'd be between like um, 18 and 16, roughly. Um, might be 17 or actually, um, right, or it might be 17 or 16, depending on the list. 
Um, but currently, it's sandwiched between Star Wars: The Last Jedi and uh, <laughs> Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Oh, two and Frozen. Two abysmal movies, right? In yeah, because um, movies have like it has a lifetime earnings of about one point three billion dollars. That's crazy. Over its lifetime earnings, and um, currently the highest grossing lifetime film is Avatar at two point eight eight billion dollars. Until at least this December when and the Aven- second one Avatar comes out. Avatar two comes out, and Avengers Endgame has a uh, two point seven nine billion dollars. In lifetime growth. What's the What's the next movie that's older than twenty years on there? Older than twenty years. Uh, in the top. Uh, uh, let, me, let me see if I find. The, so that'd be two thousand two. Have to be older than two thousand two. Um, we'll take a look here. I have to keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. I'm already in the thirties. Um, oh, okay. So you, Jurassic you Park. You can't at be, 1. You can't 1 be in the thirties because Chicago was at sixteen. I'm looking at the top hundred right here, Jimbo. <laughs> right, but yeah. I said which one at the top of the list is older than. 20 years. Yeah, so I'm going down the list to 30 and finding Jurassic Park. But what I'm saying is, if Chivago's at 16 or 17, you wouldn't have to go down to 30. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm on the IMDb list. I looked up the top lifetime growings on a separate website for Dr. Zhivago. Dr. Zhivago isn't on this list right now for some reason. I don't know why. Dr. Zhivago's lifetime gross earnings was between about $1.3 billion. So, yes, it would be equivalent to go to 116, but it's not on the IMDb list right here. You asked me what top movie was that was released 20 years ago, so I checked this list, and no, that no, is no, no, Park. No, that ain't what I, I know said. what you're asking. I won't try and well, do no, what I that. What I said was, according to the list, you said um, Avatar, yes. Avengers Endgame. I said, which is the next movie that would be like 20 years older on that list? Because we know Shivago sits at 16 or 17 mm-hmm. to the list you're looking at. Is there anything from Endgame to Shivago that's... Oh, okay. Endgame to Shivago. Okay. Do, do you see what I'm saying? All right, all right. Like, so three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, okay. ten. No, 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 okay, so let's look at listen here. We have Titanic here in 1997. That grosses a lifetime earnings of $2.2 billion. Okay, so there we go. That, okay. that, excellent. Right. Excellent, Kyle. Right, right. Excellent. What are you asking me, Jim? That's exactly ah, what I was asking. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the new know. Lion King is number eight? That's terrible. <laughs> the live action one? The live action one at 1.6. Why? <laughs> Why did anyone go see that? <laughs> so, shooting the winter scenes did not go as planned as this podcast did, and it kind of derailed. Uh, due to the unusual mild weather, instead they were mostly filmed in summer in temperatures as high as 90 degrees, which with marble dust and plastic snow standing in for actual snow. Oh, it had to be miserable out there. Oh yeah. my gosh. Omar Sharif shaved his head and wore a red wig to play Dr. Yuri Shivago. Uh, Jane Fonda turned down the role of Laura because she didn't want to go to Spain for nine months. Several weeks later, she changed her mind and told her agent she wanted to do it. But by then, Julie Christie had been signed on to play Laura. In 2014, Fonda said that of all her movies she turned down, this one is the one she regrets the most. It's always amazing to see what actors and actresses uh, regret. regret. (laughs) What could have been or like, you know, like so many deals were always in place. Everything's like possible about to happen, but then it just doesn't. And it's crazy. Uh, Dr. Yuri Shivago's Balalakia, uh, I, I call it the Russian guitar, um, is never played in the movie. Huh. Remember because his mom, yeah. he's like, she's like, he's like, well, how'd you learn to play? What? Doesn't he play it at like, well, I don't know. I thought if like really... in the first, like the scene right after that, they had, okay. I don't know if he really plays it though. Remember he, he they give it to him and he starts Strumming some notes, like where'd you learn? Where'd you bit. learn how to play? It's like I didn't. I don't. I don't. I just do. But I guess if you're saying it's cool, playing, cool kid. yeah, technicalities in the yeah. notes, stupid notes. <laughs> Um, things. Here's something else. Uh, this is probably the last thing. Uh, Doctor Shivago is known. You know, he's a doctor. 
he's a Chirag- lot of stuff. He's a Chirago. He's, he's, he's a, well, he's a lot of this stuff, but he's mostly known as a poet mm-hmm. in this movie. And uh, his book uh, uh, that Laura carries is important throughout the film, but uh, the film never shares any of his poetry, which is kind of weird. It is. It is. It, you know, it, but it is. A, it is. A, it is. A look at the man and not his, the man's work itself. You and, know? Yeah, but here's something else. You know, when, remember when they're in the ice palace? You know, and he's sitting at his desk and he's just writing notes and throwing stuff. And, yeah. And you're like, you're, dude, you're in the middle of winter. You're you're half frozen. Here you are writing. He succumbed to the poetic madness. I was like, uh, he must express himself yeah. in these desperate times. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, Kyle, um, let's go ahead and tell me what you think about this movie because there's so much. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to say anything conclusive about the film because already I'm thinking like I have to watch this again now because I need to know I, that I have the full depth of this story to some degree. So it is a film that. Um, I do enjoy. I, I think it is an interesting film. There's a lot to be grasped from it and gleaned from it that is very um, um, pleasant, <laughs> even though it is a harsh movie to kind of um, live in and in a kind of uh, occupy in my mind in my headspace. Because like so many like tragedies occur nonstop for everyone involved. Like the entire people of Russia and for these individual characters go through so many hardships that it can be difficult to even kind of like. Uh, watch it and uh, feel comfortable with yourself, um, and feel or feel hopeful for the entire world. But it does have those moments of hope in the world itself. So it, it's it's a film I like. I appreciate. I don't want to watch many more times again in my life, but I do want to watch enough to know that I got a full grasp of it. So it's a movie that I recommend anyone who considers himself like a serious film buff who wants to understand you know like the artistic value of films like is a is a needed watch. At least once or twice, um, so I recommend it on that um, perspective. But besides that, it's uh, not a film that I think like an average film enjoyer today would be like, "Oh yeah, I want to watch Dragonfly." Like, don't <laughs> like if you want if you want to go deep, you can watch this. But if you just want to be an average guy of just you know enjoying a movie here and there, I wouldn't bother with this one because it's not um, you know it, it's it's commitment in its own way. Of uh, trying to overcome it all, <laughs> so I think that's kind of a you know it's it's it challenges his audience I think, and uh, that's that's a tough thing to kind of be um, up for watching personally. So that's my overall thoughts, I guess. And that's even kind of a mixed bag of a mess that I just kind of put out there. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, Jimbo, how are you? Think your overall thoughts are for this film? <sighs> yeah, I, I I think I need to watch it again, mm-hmm. uh, at least once. Um, I think it is, if you like movies like Gone with the Wind, uh, Ben-Hur, mm-hmm. uh, Ten Commandments, Arabia, Lawrence yeah. Arabia, any of those epic movies, then you'll enjoy this film. Uh, yeah. It's beautifully shot. Um, there's, there's depth to the characters, even deeper than I thought. Um, and and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dumb this down for, for simple folks like me. Mm-hmm. When I think of... Dr. Shivago, who I picture is Archie Andrews and <laughs> Betty and Veronica. Yeah. Okay. The two ladies in his life. Um, obviously, he's married to his cousin, mm-hmm. which I would say would be Veronica in this case. And then there's Betty, who, if you ever read the comics, Archie was always infatuated with Veronica, but everybody knew that Betty was the one he should be with. Yeah. Now, let's take a step back from that. Number one, you're married, dude. Okay? You're married to your cousin. 
just because you went off on some hiatus trip to help serve the war and fell in love with another man's wife. Life. Yep. Uh, that doesn't make it right. No. Um, if you wanted to do that, then you probably should have just divorced your wife instead of just keep popping out kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she knew where he was going. Yeah. Especially when they went back to the, uh, her father or the, uh, the, the, I call, we'll call it the ice palace, but that little, remember they had it boarded up because they're like, nobody can come in. He's like, well, the, uh, servants quarters or whatever is still open the barn or whatever. He's like, oh, this will do just fine. And they had in garden and everything. But he would always like, oh, i got to go to town. <laughs> that yeah. thing that would take like forever to get to. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was definitely just a whole sense of like, so many of these characters make, you know, the wrong decision. They make the wrong choice for reasons that you can say are understandable, if still disagreeable. Right. You know, and that is uh, like all the characters in this whole movie. <laughs> right. So it, it was very, you know. <sighs> And just like real life, it's messy. Why? Um, I guess why did why did uh, why did his wife stay with him if she knew? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you never um, you never find out what happened to her. Yeah, and it's and also it's like I, to an extent, like you know, these are kind of questions you've asked, like of people you've known in real life to a degree as well. Yeah, I've certainly met people who are like, like, why would you stay with that person if they did this or that thing to you? And they just, and there's never a good, good excuse you ever get. You never get the good reason why. Right. And I think this film also offers that same kind of thing where like some of these things are kind of unknowable in a way. Well, I mean, um, we 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 just watched just the like, ending of that movie again, and you see that. Um, uh, which, which one's the mistress again, Laura? Yeah, Laura is the mistress. Yes, yes. So, uh, that she she even went with, when she went with Kamenisky or whatever, which was the guy she's been having an affair with from her mom. Kamenisky like straight up raped her at yeah, one point. Yeah, yeah. Like, one of things, like, and yeah. and but yet he still is trying to be the father figure and take care of her. But then you see this lady or this this girl at the end, and he's she's like my father uh, let go of my hand when I was eight years old in the middle of the street. So even after all that. She still thinks that that guy is her father, and this is where he's like, "No, this is your father." So he's trying basically inserted himself back into the life. So it's so deep, and there's so many. It's like an onion, man. You start peeling that thing, and there's so many layers. And once you think you got the onion clean, and then you like peel back another layer, and you're like, "Yeah, wow." Then you can keep going. Pretty soon, you won't have an onion left. But I'm just saying. This is a very interesting movie, and I think it's well deserved to watch for anybody uh, that that likes movies. I think there's a lot to grasp from it. Um, is it historically accurate? I do not know because I didn't dive into the Bolshevik re- Revolution. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, World War yeah, One, yeah. World War Two. Uh, but it is a very interesting movie, and I highly recommend somebody to sit through it at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you sit through it once, and then you start thinking about it. You're going to want to sit through it again and see, what did I miss? Because that's where I'm at right now because I don't think I put two and two together. Two and two didn't equal four. It equaled like six for me. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't yeah. know where I went wrong in this movie. Uh, I paid real close attention and took notes, so I don't really know uh, where I sidetracked or stepped away from. Uh, and maybe, who knows, maybe there's some deleted scenes or some documentaries that I could watch on the movie that I didn't watch yet. Or the real life history itself. Well, that too. Dive into that but I'm just well. saying the documentary yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe oh. I need to read the book. Maybe the book will go into the more detail. detail. Like I did with Bram Stoker. By the way, yeah. I did finish Bram Stoker's Dracula this week. You enjoyed it? Oh, it was great. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, the ending was kind of anticlimactic, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. I understand that. Um, 
from what we yeah, so I would say definitely give this movie a watch because I'd like to know what people's thoughts are on this movie because um, it's it's an epic movie and I think it deserves exactly yeah. where it needs to be in the top 100 movies right around yeah. 48, 50, I would mm-hmm. say. I would say like of the movies you covered like 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 Ben Hur, Lawrence Arabia, this is probably the the toughest commitment though I'd ask of any of the fans that actually watch it. All. Right, like like Lawrence Arabia, like that's a cinematic masterpiece of like uh, you know visual mastery and like it amazes you just watching it and you don't feel like the same way or like Ben Hur, same thing like some of your religious like iconography and you know, other cool things so, like. Like it is amazing just to watch those films and like you feel astonished by what they created. Doctors of Vago challenges you in a way, in a dark way, that like paints the world really ugly in some cases, and like it's tough to sit through three hours of that. Yeah, it um, is. So, and like, and, and I think I think the thing about this movie that separates those other movies, especially Lawrence of Arabia and um, Ben Hur, even Gone with the Wind, is this is a struggle of one man. Mm-hmm. And the the stand the circumstances surrounding his life, I think that's what this boils down to the the battle that the man has. So, yeah, um, and the harsh history of the world that he was living in right there. You know, you know, incredibly, you know, <clears throat> everything going on around him and how he gets through it. You know, that's just that. It, yeah, it is like focus on one man, but a one man in a turbulent time in history. Right. You know. Well, Kyle, I think. Uh, We've, we've talked about this movie long enough. Uh, maybe if we discover some more stuff, we can talk about it on a real talk. Uh, if we go back through it and, and watch it, maybe point some stuff out that we didn't yeah. say here. Um, or if we made, um, you know, make the connection, um, we can let them know on real talk. So, mm-hmm. um, if you'd like idea. to follow us on social medias, we are the tragedy of cinema podcast. Uh, join us on Facebook group. We have a lot of fun stu- uh, times on there. Uh, Kyle, TikTok's going to need it now. Don't worry, don't worry. You don't need to remind me every six weeks. It's fine. <laughs> Kyle will have a TikTok at some point. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm really... I'm, I'm watching really, more TikToks now. I'm it's really good. starting to doubt his, his ability. The ability to make a TikTok and actually yeah, fall through. That's what you get for trusting video. millennials. Let's go. Exactly, so. exactly. There's some reliable uh, generation, as they say. Well, I think this episode's coming to a close, Kyle. So if you want to grab the old clabbered over that's there. That's right. We'll do the thing. Uh, yep. So this episode's coming to a close. And that's a wrap, Kyle. And cut.